You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Well, this week, today, we have a special guest speaker, preacher, pastor, Pastor Shane Cox from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I've known Pastor Shane probably for about eight to ten years. Actually, just a couple of years ago, my wife and I, we were in Israel together. Remember that, brother? Wasn't that amazing? We were in Israel together. We had a great time. Um, When I, uh, before I launched Radiant Church, I actually um, hung out with Pastor Shane downtown Grand Rapids, and he was talking all about his experience, about what it is to, to pastor a church, to plant a church. He's a former pastor of Take Hold Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but his wife, him and Heather, his wife, have recently planted a brand new church in Grand Rapids entitled Latchkey Church, and he has a heart for prodigal sons and daughters and really just calling people back to their first love in Jesus Christ. So would you help me to honor, would you help me to make some noise for Pastor Shane Cox? Good morning, Radiant Church. Good morning. Yeah. You ready? How many people are ready for a fresh word from the Lord this morning? (laughs) Yeah. I'm kind of kidding, but I'm not. Um, I've been praying about this, praying about you, and uh, I believe that the Lord has brought me to a couple texts that I'd love to share with you this morning, entitled Intimate Encounters. So we're going to look at a few of them, kind of sprinkled in some sermonettes that make hopefully one. We won't go too long, don't worry, but I'm just wondering if you would be willing to open your mind, open your heart, open your ears to what the Lord has to say to you through his word this morning. Um, I am coming live and direct to you from the uh, best side of the, I'm sorry, I meant to say west side of the state. Sorry, west side of the state. (laughs) Grand Rapids, Michigan. Actually, I've never been to Bay City, but uh, I'm kind of liking your city. I'm kind of liking it over here. You got the uptown and the downtown. You got the down by the river, so we got to walk there and hang out, but it's been great, great city. So um, anyway, let's get to it. Is, is that okay? I want to start by saying it's a privilege and honor and a blessing to stand before you and open this word. I don't take it lightly. Uh, I'm, we're not fooling around. I'm, I'm here, um, and I feel extremely welcomed. Uh, everyone has been hospitable and friendly and kind. Thank you. The other thing is uh, I want you to know that every time I speak, I'm speaking to myself first and I'm preaching to myself first and foremost, always. I don't want to say anything to you that I can't say to myself or have an examine my heart first. It's been examining my heart this week. All right, that's out of the way. Um, Also, man, every time. It's, it's my goal to be as open, honest, and transparent as humanly possible with the help of the Holy Spirit, just to, to be real and authentic in front of you. And I think I'm in the right place. 
I feel as if this is a place where you can come as you are and the Lord will meet you where you're at and you will be loved and honored and respected by the community of faith that is Radiant Church. Is, am I off on that? Am I close? All right. So that's great. It's great to see old faces and meet new friends. Appreciate that. Um, I'm coming to you, too, to be honest about this. Uh, the last three years of my life and my family's life, it has been rough. I'm not just talking about a global pandemic, COVID virus, corona crazy. I'm not talking just about that. I'm talking about other things as well. I won't get into all of it, but I will say in 2018, the church that we were a part of for 10 years split. We lost many friends, many ministry partners. It was brutal. You say, well, that doesn't sound that bad, but it is. If any of you have been part of a split, a church split or whatever you want to call it, it's like a divorce. People are picking sides. It's crazy. There's slander and gossip, and there's, it's just a big old mess. That, was, that kicked it off. In 2019, our church, that the remnant of that church of 10 years, uh, had to dissolve. And I'm like, how has the enemy won this? How, how, Father, can you allow this to happen? We're serving you with our whole hearts, and you've allowed this? How dare you? You're like, whoa, Shane, stop. Our Father can take it. But we need to be careful. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to hear from the Father for a long time. I thought Jesus is my, my homie. He's got my back. He died for my sins. He's my brother. But the Father and I have words. And I don't want to talk to him, actually. And the Holy Spirit, the whole time, is like that oil of healing and anointing. In 2019, uh, my father passed away. He, he died when he was 70 years old, and he had his whole retirement just retired. He was looking forward to spending time with family, working on projects, hanging out with his grandchildren, doing things that he wanted to do. And uh, when he passed, it just added another layer now, you're like, Shane, people have gone through worse. I know. But it was all of those things compacted on top of each other that just destroyed me, and I wasn't in a good place. I can say that I'm in a better place now, thank the Lord, because he is faithful, and he is trustworthy, and he loves you and me immensely. More than we can fathom, more than we'll ever know. I get that picture of the woman clinging to the stone cross amongst the waves. Some know it as the rock of ages. There's a hymn as well. Where else can we turn to? Where else can we go? Who else can we turn to? Who else can we go to? It's Jesus the rock of our salvation, the firm foundation. He never changes. We sang about it. 
He'll never let us down. Sometimes he lets us down when we want what we want when we want it, and he's like, no, not really. When you were singing, I thought of an intimate encounter. It's in John chapter 12. We might have it on the screen. If not, let me just read it. This is an intimate encounter. No, it's not Nicodemus in the middle of the night in John 3. No, it's not the Samaritan woman who meets Jesus at the well in John 4. It's not the blind man who was (laughs) made to see by Jesus in John chapter 9. It's John 12. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) all right, continue. Verse two, a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him, the dude raised from the dead. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume about a year's salary, made from essence of nard. Here's the intimate encounter. Here's the intimate engagement. And she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. And I felt as if the Lord was saying to maybe a couple of you, or collectively as a community of faith, that sometimes when we worship, and I'm not just talking about music, But sometimes when we're truly at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him in all of his glory, honoring him, hanging on every word, we sometimes have to let down our hair. Now, for a woman to do this in this culture and time was crazy. You didn't do that. But she didn't care why she was in the presence of the Lord. And he said, don't take it away from her. Don't get mad at her. Don't talk to her about spending all that money and pouring out that perfume. No, she's actually preparing me for my burial. In my worst, she's worshiping me in this moment, letting down her hair, not caring what anyone thought, not caring what anyone would say. I feel like, the, we sang about it today, breakthrough. I feel like breakthrough is coming. It's, it's, it's almost here. It's breaking in. And it's breaking into your individual hearts. And it's breaking into your community of faith. You're just like, like, Shane, you haven't been here all this time. You don't even know what we've been through. I, I've heard some stuff, but I know that he's faithful, so he's already working in ways that I don't even know or you don't even know because he's that amazing and powerful. Let down your hair, Radiant Church. The imminent return of Jesus is at hand. His return is closer today than it was yesterday. His return... If he returns tomorrow, are you ready? Are you waiting? Are you watching? Is there oil in your lamp? Is there wick there? I think it's the time to run hard. I really do. Pastor Marco said it. Yeah, we're we're in the business of calling people back to their first love. And I don't know if that's your specific mission, but it's not a bad mission. And if you're about the Father's business, then you're welcoming. You're leaving the 99 and going for the one. You're ministering and worshiping in ways that I can't even fathom. Let down your hair. Don't worry about what the world is saying about you. 
You're not doing it for attention. You're not doing it to be patted on the back. You're not doing it to, for, for whatever people will say. You're doing it because you are in love with Jesus. You are at his feet, and your worship is tenfold and multiplied. Well, go out. I, I tell you, that's the first intimate encounter. Now we're going to switch gears. You're like, Shane, you're weird. I know I'm weird. I look weird, smell weird, talk weird. I preach weird. I know I'm a weird person. But we're all created equal in the eyes of the Lord. We all have special gifts. <laughs> oh, you're like, where are you going now? I don't know. Let's look at the notes. Here's the thing. I told you I didn't want to be in an intimate relationship with the Father. I was okay with Jesus. The Holy Spirit was trying to comfort and counsel and heal. Somebody said to me, Shane, intimacy with Jesus will be the fuel needed to walk out the path that God has for you. Intimacy with Jesus. It's like, oh, man. So you know what I did? I started going through the Gospels, and I was like, let's look at all the intimate moments with Jesus. And I came to a few of them. I want to share a few. Some might be obscure. It's all right. But throughout the four New Testament Gospels, we're privy to some very intimate encounters. Jesus had, he had intimate encounters with skeptics, uh, religious uh, leaders and teachers, enemies, critics, lepers, curious unhealthy, and some followed him and many turned their back on him and walked away. There's an intimate moment where Jesus turns to his closest disciples after teaching and he says, will you also desert me? Are you also going to abandon me like these have done? I pray that isn't in the plan for any of us. That we're waiting and watching and clinging. No matter, this is, no matter who it was or where they were coming from or what their mindset was or their motive or agenda, Jesus met people where they were at. Do you remember when he met you? Do you remember it? Was it sweet? Have you turned your back on him? Is he calling you back gently, knocking on the door of your heart, Revelation 3.20. Knocking on the door of your heart gently. He knew a person's thoughts. He understood a person's heart. He knew their motive. These intimate engagements are all relevant today. I always say, let's find ourselves in the story. Well, Shane, it really doesn't apply to me. Well, maybe you can be a blessing to someone who it will apply to later this week or this month. Jesus is still in the business of meeting people where they're at, knowing our deep thoughts and secrets, healing on the spot or from a distance and understanding the condition of our hearts. He knows. I hope these intimate encounters do encourage you. Let's look Add a couple together. The first one, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, starting there. Now, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. I hear you're going through the Beatitudes. Awesome. 
I believe that the Sermon on the Mount, the Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 are like Jesus condensed and radical with tons of conviction. You want to you wanna be close to Jesus, you read the Sermon on the Mount, and you say, I can't measure up, I'll never do it. And then he says, with me all things are possible. Are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing? Matthew 7, 7 through 11, Jesus said, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. You might be thinking, oh, Shane, you know what? At this point in my relationship with Jesus, I've stopped asking. I no longer ask for anything because I just feel as if I'm being let down. You say, Shane, you know what, I, I've stopped seeking because I don't want to know what I don't know. I don't want to see what I can't see. Say, Shane, I've, I've stopped knocking because doors never seem to open for me on my timing or my timeline. In verse 8, for everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I say, don't stop asking, seeking, and knocking. Continue to pray without ceasing and ask, seek, and knock. Why? Verse 9, you parents, how many parents out here? You got a kid or two or ten. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? When your kid is hungry, do you give them some rocks, a sack of rocks, or do you give them some, I don't know, goldfish crackers, like a good parent would? Or, verse 10, if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Is our Father good? Yes, he is. <laughs> of course, Shane. He's great. He's better than good. He's great. He's better than great. He's amazing. Isn't he? So much. <laughs> he's, gonna, he's a good Father who gives good gifts to his children. What are you asking for? What are you asking for? Let me, let me ask this. Are the gifts your will is asking for in harmony with the sovereign will the good father is able to give? You see, Jesus will never let you down until you want something that isn't right for you. And then he says, no, or wait, or maybe, or not now, or that's not good, or that's actually for someone else. Then we, then we turn away and walk away discouraged, like the rich young ruler who said, I did everything I could, everything you ask. What else do I need to do? Go and sell everything. Oh, Shane, come on. You're telling me I got to sell everything and move into the church and sleep on a cot? just so that ministry and work and kingdom can happen? Well, no, maybe not. But what about one thing? What one thing is the Lord asking you to let go of in order for the kingdom to be multiplied? So, he is a good father. He's given you good gifts. 
on his timing, when you're ready. Uh, how soon we forget, though, the goodness and faithfulness of yesterday when begging for today. And again, it's not wrong to ask or seek or knock. I'd like for us to just remember what Jesus said regarding the bread and the fish, though. Have we forgotten his provision? Do we forget his blessing? Now I'd like to juxtapose that passage with another one. Remember the bread and the fish. John 6, 1 through 13, we might not go that far. John 6, John, or Jesus <laughs> crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went, pressing in, because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Are there people that follow Jesus only for what they can see or what, can they, what they can get out of the deal? Do we just let them go and release them and say, go your way? Verse uh, 3, then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. Verse 4, it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. 5, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we bury, bury, where can we bury bread? <laughs> where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Verse 6, he was testing Philip. For he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, huh, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Verse 8, then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Verse 9, here it is. Here's the intimate encounter. If we, if we don't pay attention, we might miss it. There's a young boy here with, with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? And Jesus says, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. Just the men, 5,000, plus with women and children. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. You're like, Shane, I've heard the story a thousand times. Yes, but it caught my, my eye with the bread and the fish, which then made me immediately go to John Sorry, Matthew 7, with Jesus and the good father. Was it a good gift for the mom or the dad to pack that sack lunch on that maybe hot day for nourishment and provision while he, while he listened to Jesus and tried to nestle in close or touches the hem of his robe or just walk around aimlessly? Was it a good gift, the fish and bread? Yeah. Did the kid give the, the lunch up? Just, oh yeah, here. Did one of the disciples see him, beeline it in there and be like, hey, we need food. You want to give this up? I don't know. But I do know that it was probably willingly. He relinquished his lunch so that the master could receive it and multiply it. You're like, what are you talking about? Here's my, here's my thought. Go one step deeper, one step further. 
perhaps, maybe, just perhaps, even the good gifts that the Heavenly Father gives to his children, you and me, maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit even now is tapping on your brain or your heart and saying, the good gift that was given to you needs, would you be willing to relinquish it, let it go, and hand it back over to Jesus so that he can multiply it? And you're like, Shane, is this another thing about money? No, I'm not even thinking about money. I'm not talking about possessions. You know where my mind went on this? To the spiritual gift or gifts that he has given to you. That in, unless we unlock them or unleash them or relinquish them, we hoard them and hold on to them. And they can't be given back to Jesus to be multiplied for his kingdom, for the greater glory that only he can do with the gift that he has given to you. That sounds crazy, I know. But sometimes we can be spiritual gift hoarders. We hoard the harvest because we don't want to let it go, because it means too much to us, because it's our precious, or we think that if we let it go, we'll never get it back. It's not true. Spiritual gifts aren't given to you to hoard. Spiritual gifts are given to be used and exercised in the community of faith, in the world, in the kingdom, in the city where you're planted. It is. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What thing is he asking you, even if it's the greatest gift you possess, to give back to him like Hannah did in the temple with Samuel? Maybe even a child. Don't say that. That's too crazy, bro. I know. I'm preaching to myself. I'm, I'm talking to myself. Mark chapter 12. Here's another little sermonette. Mark 12, 13 through 17. Leaders sent some Pharisees, teachers of religious law and supporters of Herod, to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. <laughs> They're trying to trap him. But again, we know Jesus knows their motive in their heart before they approach. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. They're buttering him up, right? They're backing him in the corner, slathering him with butter. We know how honest you are. You are uh, impartial and don't play favorites. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? Jesus saw through their hypocrisy and said, why are you trying to trap me? <laughs> Show me a Roman coin and I'll tell you. Verse 16, when they handed it to him, he asked, now whose picture and title are stamped on it? Well, Caesar's, they replied. Well then, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. 
His reply completely amazed them. It rocked them because he, he maneuvered in a divine maneuver out of the trap, out of the corner. What if he said, yes, you should give to Caesar? What if he said, no, you should not give to Caesar? He couldn't win either way. But he says, give me a coin. Whose name is stamped on that coin? Whose image is stamped on that coin? Church, when dealing or thinking about what we need to give to God, I think of this passage, and it's a little obscure, I know, but I think of it. Why? Because what image, whose image is stamped on you? Whose image is stamped on you? Well, in Genesis, at the beginning in chapter 1, it says, let's create man in our image to be like us. The image, you bear the image of God, not the image of Caesar, not the image of Biden or Trump. You bear the image of God. And he says, give to God what is God's. You bear his image. You're <laughs> Man, I, I don't want to, I want to hold back. I want to keep what is mine. I want to keep what is secure to me. I want to keep what makes me happy. So often we only give what is convenient for us. So often we only give that which doesn't require a sacrifice. But we know in Romans 12 that we are called to be living sacrifices. Not to conform to this world, but be transformed. So often we only give things that will make us look good in front of other people or committees or systems and structures. And sometimes we only give things that don't require much faith. Because when we relinquish things, it requires faith. But in, the, in its requiring of faith, it stretches our faith. It builds our trust. And God is trustworthy. And he is faithful. And he will never let you down. I'm almost done. This has been fun, everyone. Thank you. You're like, <laughs> I'm kind of sweating up here. I don't know about you, but I got a little sweat going. It happens, you know. You're like, well, you're wearing a flannel in the summer. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. That's why I'm a little weird. Oh. Revelation. Chapter 3, verse 20 to 22, says this. Jesus is talking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me calling and open the door, I will come in. That would be an intimate engagement, wouldn't it? An intimate meal with Jesus. Shane, don't get weird. I'm not. I'm just... Jesus loves us and desires to commune with us. And we have the ability to unlock or lock the door. Keep the door locked or unlock the door. <laughs> it says, 
I will come in and we'll share a meal together. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen to the Spirit and we'll be victorious together, my paraphrase. I kind of think of this potential intimate engagement, this meal with Jesus, kind of like, I don't know, this is the best way that I can think of it. My daughter is 16 years old, just turned. And sometimes I say things or do things that make her upset. I know you're like, no, Shane, come on. I'm like, yes, I do. Most of the time, 90% of the time, it's my fault. But sometimes I say things or do things that are not wise. And I speak without thinking. I do things without thinking first. And sometimes I upset her or we have tension or a rift or an argument or a disagreement or a debate. And sometimes, not every time, but she'll run up the stairs and enter her room with passion (laughs) and close the door with power. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, irks me, you know. This is my house, you know. (laughs) So I, you know, I'm tempted to march up the stairs and pound on the door that is in my house and enter her room in my house and force her to talk to me and say, you're going to talk to me, young lady, and we're going to work through this and, you know, whatever. It happens. But it's the times when I don't do that and I gently quietly walk up the stairs and approach the door and knock gently, you know. Hey, Abby. Silence. Like, all right. I walk away, go back downstairs, whatever, you know. A little later, come back up, knock again. Hey, Abby. Silence. Maybe the third, maybe the fourth time, knock on the door. Yeah, Dad. Can I can I come in? Yeah. And then we're there. We've had time to both cool down, and it might be not my timing, but her timing. When she invites me in, in my house, that I didn't build but paid for. Know what I mean? And that's Jesus. On the door of our heart, He created us in His image. We are His temple that the Holy Spirit indwells. He's created us. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He knew us before we took our first breath. He has every right to barge into our life, to barge into our heart. But he stands at the door and he knocks, waiting for us to let him in, to have communion with him. Are you at that place? Shane, you know, man, I'm at a place where I've been locking those doors of my heart because of things or circumstances or suffering or pain. 
He says, I invite you into my pain. I invite you into here. Feel the piercing in my hand. Take your hand and touch the wound in my side. He knows your suffering. He knows your pain and he invites you to touch him. That sounds pretty intimate. Or he's knocking and standing at the door and waiting for you to unlock it and and let him in. But we put up our walls because of bitterness or resentment or church hurt or abuse. Death, pain and suffering. When God's people, the very sheep, gnash at you cut you down at your Achilles heel spiritually speaking will you I'm done will you uh, stand with me I'm going to ask us to do a little bit of assessment just a little bit of reflection I, I you're, you're singing about, about breakthrough and you're singing about um wonderful, amazing things, and you're talking about the past, and you're looking toward the future, and I'm just thankful to be here today, but I'm, I'm wondering, in, in, a, in a room this big, with, with this many people, would you say, uh, Shane, I've been holding back in my worship, and again, not just talking about singing, but sitting at the feet of Jesus, following him, nestling in close, walking after him, just a few steps behind. Now is the time to walk low, stand strong, eat the scroll, run hard. That I would you pray for me today? I I need unadulterated, reckless, abandoned worship. Anyone like that today? Lord, help us to nestle in close and, and, and walk behind you. Help us to follow you all the days of our life. Help us to listen to your words. Help us to worship you and you alone. Say, Shane, you know, I've been, um, I've been blocking the good gifts that the good Father wants to bestow upon me. If my hands aren't open to receive those gifts, Not at all. My hands are actually like fists. I don't want to receive anything good from him. I acknowledge that he exists, and I acknowledge that he is all-powerful, and he is infinite, and I am finite, but I don't want to receive any good gift from him because bitterness or resentment are the things that I hold on to. Is there anyone there that would say, I'm I'm just bitter right now? I'm I'm resentful. I really am. I might be sick of it, but I... And I want to receive those gifts, but I can't allow myself. Well, Lord, I pray for those who are bitter or resentful. I pray, God, that we would have open hands to receive the good gifts that you, good Father, want to bestow upon us. But help us also, if you ask, or if there's need, or if we feel led by your Spirit, to relinquish those good gifts so that they can be multiplied by you, dear Jesus, for the advancement of your kingdom. For we are citizens of your... 
the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors of you, dear Jesus. Help us to relinquish those things. And maybe he's just inviting you into his suffering. And it's a hard season for you right now. It's so hard. You don't know how you can face another day. Everything is compiling, compacting upon you. You, don't, you can't take a breath. You're, you're like treading water and you can't breathe. And he says, I just touch that, the, the piercing in my hand and the, the wound in my side. I know it's hard, but I'm walking with you. And we will have a deeper, stronger, more intimate relationship because we have shared in this suffering together. Oh man, that's a special, that's a special follower of Jesus who can walk into that suffering as Jesus walked into. No, we may not ever be nailed to a cross as he was, but he knows what we face every day because he became one of us to save us from the, the sin that we carry. And last one, but I pray, Lord, I pray that we would open up the, the doors of our hearts. We would unlock them to you and allow you to enter in and sup with us. We're sorry if we've been stubborn. We're sorry if we don't want to bend our knee to you and we don't want to submit to you. We love you, Jesus. Whether it's the first time we let you in or the 1,000th time, we can't wait to sup with you in glory. And you said you wouldn't drink wine until you drink it afresh with us. So we thank you for that. We look forward to that day. And you are coming again. Help us to be waiting and watching. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, thank you for letting me talk a little bit this morning. I appreciate all of you. And um, it's been a blessing to be